On this episode of the 5P Podcast, I'm your host, Michael J. Penny. I'm joined by B.J. Fitzpatrick, former colonel, always United States Marine. He spent 30-plus years in the United States Marine Corps, and on top of that, a fellow infantryman. One of the reasons why I'm so excited to speak with him right now today, he's employed the five-paragraph operations order across God's green earth, as well as been a business leader outside of the U.S. military, working as a consultant, working in the executive leadership level. He is an old salt when it comes to a lot of this media outbound stuff. You can connect with him on LinkedIn, and we'll talk more about that later. But Mr. B.J. Fitzpatrick, Colonel Fitzpatrick, welcome to the 5P Podcast. Thanks. I'm glad to be here, Michael. I'm so grateful to have you on here. We've known each other for a little while now since I was working at a nonprofit and you were working transition services coming out of the Marine Corps. Was that your first job as you left after 30 years? Yeah, it was, it was my first job straight out of the Marine Corps. I, I interviewed right at the same base I left from, uh, kind of went against my inclination. I said, I am not going to take off the uniform, put on a tie and walk right back on the same base. And I did exactly that. <laughs> but the opportunity, it, it was because of the opportunity to work with the service members and to help them transition. I had just transitioned. Uh, I know that when I went through the process aboard that same base, it was a great process. So I was a believer. The job came open. Somebody told me about it. I applied, I interviewed, and I got it, and I was happy to be there. So kind of went where I said I wasn't going to go, but at the same time, I saw an opportunity to, to get into something I believed in. There you go. Adding value, living with purpose. All right, so you've worked a couple of different other executive level positions and consultancies and other things like that, but you were one of the earliest adopters of the five-paragraph business plan. You bought the book right as it first came out. So we started talking about, hey, what could we really focus on in this 5P episode? And for those of you who are listeners, avid listeners, you know that we go through the 5P format on each one of our videos and each one of our podcasts. So we're going to get into the problem opportunity that BJ Fitzpatrick sees out there in the environment for business leaders. Well, uh, when, when we first, when I think about it, uh, business leaders and, and kind of my passion, which is, is helping veterans, First off, it's the say-do gap. Want to help veterans, want to hire veterans. Uh, and then the, the misstep kind of comes in the execution of actually hiring veterans. And, and I think my, my assertion is that they over-worry the problem a little bit much. And I can give an example of who doesn't, and it's Amazon. Amazon is crazy hiring veterans. They have veteran... Uh, get together seminars. Now they're doing webinars during the coronavirus just so they can get more people in. They said, you know what? We're going to hire veterans and we're going to keep on doing it and we're going to figure out how to make it work as we, you know, as kind of build this plane while we're flying it. And it's worked out for them and they are reinforcing that success. I've seen some smaller companies do the same thing, bring in veterans and their the success is unequivocal. They are happy across the board. Never seen someone that was upset that they hired a veteran because of what they bring to the table. So that's kind of been my thing. Uh, even when I left Camp Lejeune, I moved on to headquarters Marine Corps where I not only had transition, but the Marine for Life program, family member employment, 
and all kinds of things along the same realm where we were helping families deal with making that transition, uh, deal with in, in the, uh, as far as spouse employment goes, constantly moving and trying to find a new job every time and, and getting over that hurdle where maybe an employer goes, well, you're only going to be here two or three years. I'm going to hire the person who lives here uh, and, and those kind of problems. So it, it was a, it was a thing I did for three years when you talk about those two jobs, a year and a half apiece. So I feel like I, I've talked to a lot of companies. I've talked to a lot of transitioning people. I've talked to a, a lot of government agencies, Department of Labor, the Small Business Administration, uh, Education, all those um, along this line. That's what I've been doing. Uh, so it's still a passion. And these days, uh, I have people say, hey, can you look at my resume? Uh, there's times when I've said, hey, how about I look at your resume? Right. I do it. I, I, I don't do it for money. I don't do I do it because I want to help. And I always recommend don't just come to me, come to me and four other people that you don't know. Uh, and, and let me help you out. So I'm, I'm a zealot. I love it. I think more veteran hiring makes better companies across the board. And, and I'd like to help that any way I can. That's outstanding. And I couldn't agree with you more. I saw it, especially in working in the non-for-profit realm where we were getting a lot of transitioning veterans who are eyeballing, whether it was entrepreneurship or potentially going into a business leadership role. And it, it's interesting because veterans, especially the go-getters, you know, the, it's the NCOs and officers who always wanted to go up, take charge, you know, but didn't wind up making a full-blown career out of the military and what have you. They're still go-getters. The ambition's still inside of them. You know, it's something that I myself try to bridge the gap on with my TED Talk in discussing what is life's IEDs and how we would potentially encounter them. You know, that's the point of five-paragraph business plan, the action-oriented business management tool for leaders. It, if you're a veteran, you can read that, turn around, and write a business plan. If you're a civilian who's never wanted to serve in the military, but you revere the military service members, so a lot of those spouses, a lot of fellow veteran service supporters, you know, they read 5P and then they look at it and go, oh, now I have a better understanding of my loved one. Because you had said it, the key word in there is family. All right, and for, for folks who don't understand, when you transition out of the military, uh, even though you fought in wars and everything else, it's probably the bravest thing that you're ever going to do is take off the uniform forever and leave the military and go out into this culture shock. And your family endures that with you. Okay, so in moving forward to our mission of how we help our fellow veterans, our veteran supporters, what we're looking to do is be able to bridge that gap, yes, back out into the civilian workforce, but bring a little bit of that military with us. You're hiring veterans for a reason, right? Because they came Absolutely. with that military training. So let's kind of get into the mission of BJ Fitzpatrick of how you're approaching, let's say for instance, larger organizations, talking with people, engaging with business leaders to get their mindset into hiring military veterans. And, and I don't want to have people misunderstand. At no point do I say you should create a military organization within your organization. Uh, along with transition comes a requirement for that transitioner, I'll say for lack of a better term, that veteran, to change 
him or herself as well. You bring a lot of great things from the military, not including acronyms, not including, you know, right. being gruff and those kind of things, not, not including a lot of things that come with that. You, you first thing a veteran has to do is work to get along, learn the new acronyms for your new job, work to get along, figure out how things are flowing inside the workspace and deal with that. Maybe if you were, well, I say previous infantry, but still a, a lot of them, you know, these days, uh, there aren't a whole lot of women in the infantry, although there are some at uh, this time, is you got to get used to a whole diversified work environment. And what you used to do will not fly in, in your work. So you just got to be flexible and pay attention. So I would never say that someone needs to hire veterans and just take them as they come. Right. They have a lot of raw skills. They have a lot of raw capabilities. So I would tell those organizations. Uh, the other thing I was writing down some notes today is also not saying just hire them and don't interview them. If somebody right. interviews and it's horrible, uh, please give them feedback. Uh, but if you can't find anything in there, but there's a lot of times during the interview, and, and you know this, Mike, when, when you uh, transitioned out, um, you did a lot of things. You did a lot of important things. You were in charge of a lot of great things. But when you got out, what did you think about? No, I didn't do much. I just did my job and I did what I was supposed to do. And I led these people. I did that. And you kind of downplay all that. But you've done amazing things. So if you can't get that out of your interviewer, you kind of have to help pull that a little bit. Because amongst all of us, it's tough for us to say, I did all these awesome things. It's like, no, the team did it. Uh, we did it, everything else. And then you find out uh, through stories, some of the things that those veterans did, it's incredible. And I told you the other day, uh, we didn't have sergeants going to Iraq in the early days, actually throughout the whole thing, with a degree on how to run the water for a particular city. And yet we had a sergeant who was an infantry guy who had the flexibility Go get, go get it, whatever that is, you know, all the motivation to do well and the smarts and the flexibility to go, I have to run the water in this town. Holy cow, I've never done something like that and figure it out and just drive through and make that. That's what a veteran's bringing to a company. When you get there, you give them a mission, it's like they'll figure it out. They may ask some questions so that they can figure it out and then they will get it done along the timeline with the detail needed and everything else. As soon as they figure out how your company works, there's a little bit of a transition there. I had it as well. Even moving into my job, which was inside of a Marine Corps base where I had spent my entire career, I still had some stuff I needed to do. And I found out about it kind of painfully a couple of times. So, you know, things like what language goes on in a Marine unit is not the kind of language that goes on right. amongst a bunch of civilians. Well, the culture is a little different, isn't it? A ton. It is. Yes. I, I would totally agree. As far as, you know, we wear camouflage and boots to work every single day. It's a different environment that you're gathering around as far as the people that you've got. Yes. And, and here's what's interesting also that I'm hearing about the, the idea of the tactical sergeant, the initiative taker, right? Because you're exactly correct. Being the guy who is a sergeant as a non-commissioned officer, being the guy who is a colonel, centralized planning from a battle space owner perspective, decentralized, be able to delegate those things to a sergeant and be like, well, we've got to get the water running in the town. 
right? right. And it, it goes back to that message to Garcia, the age-old pamphlet that every non-commissioned officer gets, where it's like, this needs to be done. Aye, aye, sir. Turn around, and as you're walking out, you're going, I have no idea how the heck I'm going to do this. <laughs> my God, we're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that is what you have one of those moments of, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. (laughs) And you feel like you need a a paper bag to breathe in for a minute. It's like, how am I going to do this? Yep. And And you know what? This great segue here. How does the sergeant know that what needs to happen? Because he's probably somewhere got an order. Somebody told them what we're trying to do here. And he has taken that, been briefed on it, understands what the plan is and says, this clearly has to be part of my plan in order to get where the lieutenant or the captain told me to go. Kind of feeds into that five paragraph order and talking about how do you tell people what to do? You don't always tell them what to do. You tell them what we're doing and they can figure out the smaller parts of that because you've given everybody the, the room to run. There it is. It is. The, the, the most freedom that I ever had was in the military, God's honest truth. And I say that because I was bestowed, delegated to, to be able to take initiative out of commander's intent. I knew what the desired end state was. And so that enabled me as the planner to lock onto the objective, back brief hire, go out and wage war. And from that, that freedom, people say freedom, how can you have that much freedom? Well, I've said it once and I'll say it again. I can get on the radio and I can call and call and call, but for some reason, a plane won't come through and drop bombs for me anymore. That was something that I had the freedom of being able to do within this construct. The objective being, we need to do this overall 30,000 foot perspective. That enables me as the tactical individual to take initiative on the ground. Okay, so there's the action part, right? But here's the thing, and this is where we know so much of the value is wrapped up. It's the immediate, immediate, immediate debrief. And those immediate debriefs combine into our after actions. Because I can take your commander's intent, it's about 80% of what I'm developing my plan off of, but then I'm gathering 20% of squad leaders intel, other significant actions that are happening in the battle space. This can all occur inside of a modern business. I've seen this already occur. So if you're a modern business leader and you're paying attention to your other adjacent units that are around you, the other portions of your organization, I've seen it before where sales and marketing is going off and selling a policy for something that an insurance company doesn't even underwrite for. Uh, uh-oh, there's zero crosstalk in between. Little communication problem there. Exactly, right? And that's the thing that we talk about too because if you're putting out a 5P op order, I can work off of your op order to construct mine and then I can go over to my other squad leaders that are over there and I can ask them what are the significant actions that are operating out in zone. Do you, I don't get to call the colonel up and be like, sir, what are the significant actions that are happening in Cat Blue? You would look at me, you would be like, I don't know. Why don't you go ask Why him? are you calling me right now? <laughs> right, right. I delegated this to you. You have other leaders that are on the same platform as you that you could be communicating with right now. 
You know, right. it's funny when you talked about all the freedom you had, let's, let's, you know, kind of put it in perspective. You're using the word freedom. You had a thousand rules you had to follow. Yeah. Uh, for safety, for your own troops, you had a bunch of rules for when you're dropping bombs, it was very important that you drop them on the right place and not you know, on the right people and not on the wrong people. Uh, we never wanted civilian casualties. Unfortunately, they happen sometimes. And all the rules and microscopic requirements in and out of that, when you, those were all in your head. And yet you say you had freedom there. That's crazy. <laughs> you know? But, but, you know, you had freedom to do because you knew what the rules were. Exactly. And he's like, I have met the following requirements. I am good to go. Here we go. Somebody call me an airplane. Let me call an airplane. There it is. So. There you know, it is. I, I, I'm kind of. It, it struck me when I, I was the operations officer in Afghanistan, we had 27,000 NATO forces there. Uh, we were, uh, it was unbelievable uh, what was going on in the summer of 2010 and so busy. So I'm the operations officer. Guess how many orders I was writing? Zero. I was not writing those orders. I couldn't write the orders for 27,000, but I had people to make the plans and then write the orders and hand them off so that they got, and then briefed and I got briefed first and then the, then we briefed the general and then it got approved and all those kind of very detailed processes. Uh, not that we couldn't move fast because we could. Um, I, I used to say I had, I had two kinds of planners. Uh, I had a planner that I said, I need something in 20 minutes that says this and they could pull it off. And in 20 minutes, we're putting the word out and we're changing and making something happen. And then I had some guys uh, and girls that would uh, take six or eight weeks. Boy, they'd give you the most awesome detail, this and that and the other, but they were kind of the th slow methodical people. And then there was the give it to me in 20 minute people. Not that they couldn't cross with each other, but I found that some people are, are better at things than others. But coming from that tour, one of my takeaways, working with big, organizations because we were a big organization of 27,000 people we had a million rules on us we had a million higher headquarters on us we had a thousand inputs every day from you know contact with the bad guys to uh medical evacuations uh you know we did 35,000 medical evac 35 excuse me medical evacuations uh during our year there that's a lot just in our little part of afghanistan not all of afghanistan so I found out how do things work? And they work all kinds of different ways. And I guess I knew this, but it became so glaringly obvious to me. You, the sergeant out there in the field, I remember we had somebody that came up with something and said, well, we've got these trip wires and I don't want to walk all the way over to it and then put a very short rake on it and then blow myself up. And some sergeant came up with the idea of having this rake that you threw or shot out, I forget how it worked. And it would go really far out there and then they would use water cannons to blow and then figure out where the wires are. And then, and with that, something like that, we would then at the higher level hear about that because the general would be out and about talking to all these people and seeing all what was going on and come back and say, Hey, this is pretty squared away. I want to make a plan that does X, Y, Z. And he found that out from the lowest level of getting out there and seeing what his people were doing, them talking to him, with the advocates of their commanders and everyone else saying, this is, you know, this is what we're doing. And we invented this, sir. And he said, wow, let me take that back. And we come up with a plan. There was other things where 
we'd be briefing every day. And you know how briefings, yeah, you might not have fortunately known how many briefings we had in Afghanistan because I think it was <laughs> infinity times 12. And right. so we, we'd go in these meetings and the general would go, okay, after about four meetings, I want to do this. And he'd say three and he'd look at me. I want a plan that says, and that's how those plans would come together. And we'd find out when we needed him and we could see where he was going. We could see what kind of info ticked that off and made him say, I want a plan that does this. So we knew what he was talking about. We could ask him questions. We could give him. And it just really hit me that your biggest plans can come from the lowliest person in the mailroom coming up with something that really makes sense and saves you money or, or does something all the way up to the biggest CEO saying, this is the direction we're going and everything in between. If people are flexible and listening and not so tied to the hierarchy of their position, well, you can't tell me how to do that. You're not the boss. Right. Actually, no. What we want is thinking, feeling people everywhere who know where we're trying to go. And they're just helping the team just by being there and paying attention. There you go. I've always had, a, I've always had kind of a, a, a saying, you know, it's like, hey, I'm paying attention as hard as I can. And I'm just trying to, you know, and that's what I want people doing, paying attention as hard as they can. Because, you know, those people who, and you've seen them, who just go through doing what they're told. Worthless. Yep. Yep. People are doing what they're told all the time with their eyes out, knowing why they're doing it because someone told them being part of the team and go, I have a better way. Let me push this one up. Boom. Something happens. There you go. And then when the CEO says, I have a plan and you push that information out and you tell people what you mean. And that's where the five paragraph comes in. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a way to organize that information so that everybody knows what they're going to hear in the order they're going to hear it. It sure does help when you know what's coming next. Oh, absolutely. Well, it goes back, you know, you and I, we were in zone at the same time, 2010. Yeah. Right? And I was the sergeant on the ground in Kajaki who was hooking and jabbing, kicking all sorts of different op orders, and then the debris that came out of it as, you know, the commandant and RCT commanders are coming around, debriefing, getting significant events. You know, uh, the colonel has another outstanding idea kind of a deal. And then that gets pushed all the way back down. That whole, that process that we use, how can you remain that agile? Well, it's because you're using the same process that I'm using. You can see more than I can see. You know, as the battle space owner, as the commander overall, you're in charge of 27,000. I'm in charge of 12. We're right. using the exact same process. So how can I debrief to where it goes from the commandant and then comes right back down within a week's time. How can you be that agile? And in an organization that's much larger overall, as well as working with other additional adjacent forces, contractors, civilians that are involved inside of it, because they're directly affected by a lot of our mission planning also, more so than we probably even freaking realize. And to an extent, they have to deal with that, right? They're, they work for us to an extent, right? Because and it doesn't always feel like that, don't get me wrong, but the mission has priority and we have these adjacent units that we're working with, we have supporting units that we're working with. This is not just military terminology. No, this, no, absolutely you know, not. And that's I, I use my example, but in the business world, and you know, we used it in the military as well, but I remember getting my degree and you know, I'd never heard the term leadership by walking around. They, they refer to that through CEOs, 
Um, how did we know there was some kind of throwy, rakey thing out there that was working for people to keep them safe? Because the general, the boss, the CEO was out there traveling around, hearing about the plight of the quote unquote mailman. You know, what's, what's wrong with the mailroom? You guys don't get your mail because your boxes are all wacky and I'm not allowed to make these changes. Why not? Because the rules are, you know, and you get to something like that. And then the CEO, because he knows the plight of the average mailman or the plight of the guy who wants to throw the rake on the eye, it doesn't matter where you are. All of a sudden you can make some changes and, you know, our mail may not deliver the bottom line, but maybe getting our mail quicker than we did before and getting the mail guy downstairs more efficient maybe it does add to some part of the bottom line because you, you wouldn't have known it if you hadn't been there and getting to see the plight of the mailman. There you go. Well, then that, that is the immediate debrief stuff. If you're out there and you're thinking about this, right? You're, let's say you're a worker. Let's say you're an employee. Let's say you're looking at this from a specialist perspective because we have tons of specialities, right? Mm -hmm. Military occupational specialties. We have folks that are out there in, uh, call it corporate America or small businesses that are starting to, to scale and grow. And maybe they scaled out of a technical background. So they have a specialty, let's say, in developing software and developing hardware, whatever the case may be. And now they have to implement this leadership track within their organization. We understand what it's like in the military working with folks who are specialists and they only focus within their specialty, within their trade. We have to have those people. They are there especially to be able to provide advice and other ways that you can employ these special technical things. And their thoughts definitely need to go down on paper how do we get their thoughts without just pulling them in for another meeting? They do their debriefs. They combine their debriefs into after action reports. We can go through that in an after action review and we can see systematically what needs to change. It could be something as simple as including air conditioning inside of a Humvee in the middle of the summer. Seems like a good idea, but I guess you people are weak. You know, you gotta be comfortable in the heat of the Iraq or whatever. But it's something to where it's deadlining our trucks. It's been on numerous debriefs. We've, you know, this is a problem. This is an issue. How do you get your feedback as a specialist, as a tradesman, let's say, you put your feedback down on that debrief. It combines all the way up into after actions. We, as the leadership track, can systematically change things. We're all on the same sheet of music. Right, And it's that mission buy-in, that lower turnover that we're trying to get out of people to be able to rise to the challenge, right? So imagine the feeling of accomplishment if your little recommendation down in your little place in the organization led to some sort of change. And you're like, well, then that was worth it. Working in my little spot kind of was worth it. Somebody paid attention to what I was doing. And I was thinking as you were talking, as leaders, there are those who go, don't say anything to anybody. It used to be a saying, you know, there's never, never a bad opportunity to keep your mouth shut, especially in front of important people. But then you know, there's times when you're asked the question and you should have that freedom to speak truth. And, and I say that it's not without it's a little bit of filter. 
Um, but at the same time, you talk about debrief. You want to talk about a good time to have a debrief is the boss comes down. You have this conversation with the boss. You bring up your new idea. The boss says, that sounds good. Probably your next conversation should be with your immediate boss to tell them what just transpired so that it doesn't become, you know, that kind of communication is important as well because your boss doesn't want to be blindsided. Absolutely. Absolutely. Folks, we're talking with BJ Fitzpatrick, former Colonel, always Marine. You can look him up in LinkedIn. It's Barry Fitzpatrick Jr. Go ahead, take a look at him. It's Barry Fitzpatrick Jr. On this episode of the 5P Podcast, we're covering the overall situation, mission, execution, and we're leading into the admin and logistics portion of how people, how leaders who are looking at this stuff and go, great concept, how can we execute? You know, in short order with us, it starts at fiveparagraph.com. You get the book, you join the 5P inner circle. We get it. There are a lot of leaders that are out there that go, I need this for my people. I wish that I had entrepreneurs that could be trained up through an online resource to be able to go and execute. The 5P inner circle offers you and your people templates, learning experiences, full-length interviews. All of these interviews are there uninterrupted inside of our membership area, as well as other bonuses and webinars and access to your virtual mastermind group of other business leaders that are using this same template so that way you can cross-communicate. All right, this is great from a business development standpoint. So take a look, yes, at fiveparagraph.com. Get the book as a bonus. You get 30 days free access to the 5P Inner Circle. Try on the learning experiences. See if it's right for your people to be able to get them engaged in this. I learned the military operations order process right when I was brand new, a boot in the Marine Corps, right? And I would assume that you learned the five paragraph operations order process at the basic school. Oh, yeah. First, I was an instructor at the basic school for a time in the Marine Corps also. I was part of weapons training. You already knew the answer. (laughs) Oh, I definitely already knew the answer. You were marching down application trail down there to weapons training battalion. Where I was the guy with the campaign cover teaching mm-hmm. everybody how to shoot. Yeah, good times. We chewed some of the same dirt there, sir. Oh, yeah, for sure. Probably in, in vastly different years. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and that's what's so great about the Marine Corps, in my opinion, and the military as a whole. But it's old breed, young breed. doesn't make a damn bit of difference so long as it's the Marine breed. I definitely enjoy every time that we have sat down and had a conversation together. And I'm grateful yeah. for, for you. I'm grateful for your lessons. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Folks, you should definitely connect with BJ Fitzpatrick. Go to LinkedIn right now. It's Barry Fitzpatrick Jr. Connect with him. All right. So I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball on this one, sir. What has been the most humbling moment since getting out of the military and transitioning into, into business? What put you on your ass the most? <laughs> there's there's a couple I'm, I'm sitting here sorting through them you know there's a there's a couple as a sort of a civilian marine we call it which is you know you're a civilian um growing my hair and my facial hair like this does not make me feel very marine like so 
Uh, you know, so I was still working in the Marine Corps, but as a civilian, therefore it was different. Uh, and then my last year as a uh, working with a small startup um, was pretty humbling as well. So I guess the, the, the change and the transition from the military, I told you that, you know, I had to figure out a couple things, you know, even I, I'm, I'm not a dumb guy. I've got a master's degree and, and, and everything else. So, you know, I'm, I'm no dummy, but 30 years of doing the same thing. It'll have you do the same thing, even when you're trying not to do the same thing. I mean, habits are habits. Um, so yeah, that was my first, uh, thing was kind of getting a, getting a formal complaint on me because I used swear words. Um, not at someone, I wasn't swearing right. at someone. I was just expressing myself using swear words in my sentence. Uh, and, and someone heard me because, uh, again, another habit that I could use to not have as much, which is uh, don't be so boisterous. You know, we, we could do that in the Marine Corps and then be boisterous and everything. So someone heard me who didn't want to hear that. And I had to answer for that complaint. And I had to tell myself, as good as you're doing compared to how you were, that's not... That's not a good measuring stick. The measuring stick is how good do you have to be? And I had to change myself to that. So that was a, that, that was a little bit embarrassing because I, I, I knew better. I should have done better. And I, I kind of learned a big lesson from that. Look at that, people. We're all human. Yeah. Even Marines. Yeah. Yep. Oh, goodness. I really do appreciate you sharing that with our audience. I really am grateful for that. People, you should connect with BJ Fitzpatrick. Go to LinkedIn. It's Barry Fitzpatrick Jr. You can connect with him. He's real open. And look, if you're an ambitious type, if you're a go-getter and you're just trying to square things away, get in touch with BJ Fitzpatrick. He's a wealth of knowledge, life, life learned in the military and outbound. You can see that the man is human and he will definitely connect with you. So go ahead and reach out to Mr. Barry Fitzpatrick Jr. on LinkedIn. He goes by BJ. So Sir, thank you so much for joining us here on the 5P Podcast. I really do appreciate you. Yeah, I've been looking forward to it. I appreciate you having me, Mike. We got to have you back on. There's Happy just never it. enough time in the day, is there? Happy to do it. All right, excellent. Folks, if you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate, review the podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, and everywhere else that you enjoy listening to all of our long-form interviews. If you're checking us out on YouTube, hit subscribe, ring the bell, get the notifications when all of our new videos release. And as always, join the 5P Inner Circle. It's at fiveparagraph.com. It starts with a book. You move into the Inner Circle, you have access to all of our interviews. Everything is available to your learning experience. Go check it out right now at fiveparagraph.com. And until next time, until the next episode of the 5P Podcast, take care and be well.